0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah Podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, my favorite book. Proverbs 29. Try to make this decently quick, but hit everything because I do want to do some ministry time at the end. Proverbs 29, verse 25. And let me do a small recap. The last last week I started into what I thought was going to be the fourth part the, uh, and and do one more this week and be done, but I landed on the fear of man, and I talked about the fear of man. Uh, and Proverbs right here in verse 25 says that the fear of man brings a snare. That word brings could also mean gives or it gifts you. The enemy gifts you. The fear of man gifts you a snare. That's what it gives you. Uh, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. And I talked about the fear of man. I talked about what it is. The fear, fear is a spirit, okay? It's a demonic spirit. It's not from God. So when you sense and feel fear, that's not from the Lord. Well, people say, well, what's the fear of God? That's the awe, the reverence, and the respect of who God is because he's holy. Holy means he's unlike any other. It means he transcends what you could ever think. He's better than he, he's better than what we think, okay? So fear fear of man it, it is a trap. And if you don't know about a trap, a trap is hidden. A trap is, is tucked away for the purpose of catching whatever, ensnaring it, and eventually killing it, keeping it for its own keepsake. The enemy would love nothing more than to trap you in the fear of man. And in the church, this is outside of pride. The fear of man is another, another spirit that functions at a high level. And the opposite of the fear of man, or excuse me, not the opposite of the fear of man, but typically what runs with the fear of man when people try to run from that spirit is rebellion. And I'll leave that alone That's the time It's for another message I can't I ain't got time I'm telling telling myself this You don't have time for that All right. So fear is a demonic spirit Fear of man Is is not from God Um, Fear is also A false prophet spirit You understand Because fear will tell you What your future is Does it not People You lay awake at night Scared of what could happen It's the ifs Ands and buts Right You know, if that happens, well, if this takes place, then guess what that's going to do to me here? And and so it's a false prophet spirit. It tells you your future. It opens the door. Fear of man will open the door for rejection, criticism, disappointment. And if you entertain disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, guess what? That ultimately leads to discouragement. Discouragement is a nasty pit that you climb into because you allow the disappointment that comes because you're going to get those. But you allow disappointment after one, after one, after one to build up to the point to where you don't properly know how to handle it, and and guard what I'm about to read next, guard, and it falls into discouragement, and then you've got to be you won't re, you won't you don't receive encouragement from brothers and sisters when they come to, to lift you up, you won't receive it, so you 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 climb yourself into this pit, all right, so. But here's the deal. You're going to have to face what I just mentioned rejection, criticism. You're going to have to face all of these anyway. They either become stumbling blocks to you or they become stepping stones. But the fear of man, they're attached to the fear of man. And I'll, I'll explain to you why. I said last week there's two types of fear of man two types. One is the people pleasers, and they, they, they're the doormats. You can do, you say whatever, do whatever you want to. They're, oh, yeah, yeah. They're the yes men and the yes women. You do whatever you want to. And then you have the control freaks. I didn't call them that last week, but that's what they are. They have to be in full total control of everything. Well, I got I got, because I, I feel like I'm, but can I tell you what a control freak is like? You, have you ever, have you ever seen a, a, a log or maybe a big branch floating down the river? I'm sure there's thousands of some types of bugs on there. But let's just say there's an ant on that thing. You're an ant on that thing floating down the river. You think you've got control and you're driving. But are you driving? No. That's what a control freak. Because you, you don't fully ever have control. And if you ever do, everybody on you is in a place of anxiety. You bring an anxious presence to everybody around you. I know I'm speaking truth. It's okay. It's okay. Because I understand, I, I've I've seen it. I've been that guy. I've been the one that feels like you've got to control it all, and you can't. And so it finally, you finally hit a point to where somebody, Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, and then Crystal, my second Holy Spirit, says you, you want to let go. You're losing your mind. So I'm not talking to you tonight. I'm probably talking to myself more. So there's the people pleasers and the control freaks. But w- whatever category you fall into, I've got some words for you tonight. Proverbs 4.23, let's talk about this because this is what you've got to guard. Your heart has got to be guarded above all else. You have to. The Bible says guard your heart above what? All. It has to be protected and guarded. For it is the source of life. Now, I think that was not supposed to be read that way. It, it, the, the NASB says this, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. So from your heart, there's all sorts and types of things. Now I wanted to read this second, uh, the CSB version. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source. That is the source. But I wanted you to, I wanted you to get that picture. All right. So here's the key. Let me give you a key tonight. All right. The position of your heart before God, because this this does lean back towards, this does lean back towards uh, the fear of man. The position of your heart before God is what determines whether your problem is a place of falling or a stepping stone into his designed future for your life. It is. The position of your heart. David said, I inclined my heart, which means that it was most naturally declined, right? Or reclined. Many of us go through life reclined. And he said, I have to incline my heart. It's an uphill battle to make sure that my heart is positioned correctly before the Lord. And he gives us, he gives you some, if you read Psalm 119, that one's in there as well. All right, I got to keep moving. But let me talk about some things that come from the fear of man because we all deal with these. The first one is this disappointment, disappointment. So if you're taking notes, write this down, disappointment. And let me give you some insight. If you, if you don't know how to handle disappointment well, you cannot be trusted with the fulfilled dreams that God longs for you to experience. I know that sounds crazy, but you have to learn how to handle disappointment. Many people can't. They climb into the bed for days on end, and it breeds, uh, this, it breeds upon them on their life. It brings a, a, a spirit of depression and heaviness because that's what happens. Disappointment brings heaviness, and heaviness and disappointment also, it'll eventually bring discouragement. Remember that, all right? All right. So that's your insight for that. So disappointment. If I don't know how to handle it well, God, He He wants you to be. What does people that's disappointed do? They stop dreaming. They stop looking to the future. They stop expecting greater things into their future. Well, I just hadn't seen it. I just hadn't seen it. I just hadn't seen it. So they get disappointed and eventually get discouraged and they close up shop and they don't dream ever again. But if you don't, that's that's if you don't handle it, then God can't awaken his dreams back into your life. It has to have a heart postured before God and open to what he wants to do. Because the fear of man. Because we may not, in our minds, live up to the expectations or somebody might not live up to our expectations or whatever. And it brings about disappointment. So the fear of man can bring disappointment into your life. The second one is this, rejection. Oh, don't talk about that tonight, right? It's going to be heavy and then we'll flip it, I hope. (laughs) Rejection often reveals how much we depend on the approval of others for our self-esteem. Rejection. Someone that doesn't invite us to the party, a godly party. Someone that doesn't give us an invitation to whatever it may be. Someone that doesn't include us in this, that, or the other. Whether it was intentional or not, we feel the rejection. And in rejection, remember, rejection, it's also, and I want to tie this together at the end, the fear of man, I'll talk about that. But remember this, because rejection breeds insecurity, big time. And what is insecurity? What did I talk about last week? Security, insecurity is wrong security exposed. Insecurity is wrong security exposed. If it gets exposed, then guess what? God desires to deliver you from it. If I feel insecure in this area or that area, God's saying, I'm I'm showing you that because you've got your security in the wrong place. So many people, we find our security in our bank account. We find our security in the large crowd of friends and all these people, but but we can't get along with ourselves and with God and have a conversation with him. So therefore, we find our security in others, and it's insecurity, and it's not right. It's perverse. People say, well, what are you talking about? I'm not looking at porn nods. That doesn't mean, per, perversion just means the wrong version. So your relationships are the wrong version of what they should be, because your vertical is not right, so therefore your horizontal will never be right. You with me? Yes, if this vertical relationship with the Lord is off, guess what? All of these are going to be bad. Because I'm looking for approval, and I'm looking for acceptance, and I'm looking for your... Oh, man, a boy. No, I don't need it from you. I, I was telling Pastor Derek today, we had a conversation about, about approval, and whether it was a legit or not. I don't know at this point. I'm kind of... And that's an inside joke. <laughs> but the approval of man... It, I, I should never fight for the approval of man. I should be working from the approval from God. Approval is something that you're not reaching for. It flows from. I'm not fighting for Pastor Eddie's approval. I already have it. I, I preach and stand on the stage from his approval, right? So I'm already I'm already positioned correctly. So my heart, I don't get stand up here and f- freak out about what I'm going to say or what I'm not or if I'm doing right or not. It has to be a point to where you're delivered from looking over your shoulder at those that you have a fear of Which is a deliverance from the fear of man All right If it gets exposed, God means to deliver you from it So rejection is nasty Rejection is nasty in it And I believe that it is a spirit I believe that it's also an attitude of the heart Because you adopt that You adopt that as part of your life Here's the insight on rejection If I can't handle, listen to me because some of it's going to set you free and you're going to step into promotion. If I can't handle rejection with grace and kindness, oh, I'll give you grace. That's what I lay in my left hand. All right. I will not be able to enjoy the level of acceptance that God has in store for me if I can't handle it correctly. There's your insight you got to learn how to handle it with grace and with kindness. I get it. I understand. I know what you're talking about because I've walked through some stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that as figurative. I mean it. We've walked through that. It's okay, but you got to learn how to handle it with grace and kindness. Don't shut the door on anybody. Guess what? Bless them and let them go. Bless them coming in. Bless them going out. Because if they ever come back, make sure that you're showing grace. Philip Meek always told me in conversations with people, he said, You leave them with with their dignity. Always, regardless if they're in the wrong or not. You leave them with their dignity. Show grace. Always show grace. It's hard at times. Love is kind, but love is not always nice. Come on, somebody, right? (laughs) Here's the next one. You ready for it? Fear of man welcomes into our life criticism. You're critical. You're critical of others, therefore, you're critical of yourself. Is this heavy? Okay. I'm not looking. I said this the first week, and this is not original with me. This is Pastor Bill Johnson, but I love he has, he's the king of one-liners, and it's not just pulling to make you ooh and ah. It's from a place of intimacy and relationship with the Lord. But he says, if you live by the praises of man, you will die by their criticisms, if on social media, because we're in a social media generation, anytime you post something or anything you put, anytime you put something out, if you're looking for the likes, you're looking for approval, you're looking for affirmation, and a lot of times we need to be delivered from the likes of many and be delivered to the love of one. God loves you. You don't need likes on your comments and posts uh, for in order for people to accept you. So maybe what you need tonight is deliver for, deliverance from yourself. I need to be delivered for me. Here's something about criticism. Jesus was criticized, and guess what? He was perfect. So they're going to take shots on social media. They're going to say stuff. Here's what I've learned, and I I said this one time, and I don't know that it makes sense, and it was one of the the loudest boo, i got to say boo, because booze, people think they're talking about alcohol. The loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. And most of the time, people aren't doing anything, so they're very critical. Yeah. Who was the person that you last walked and get, or you helped them find Jesus? But these people t- continue to take shots. Continue, to, they're, they're keyboard warriors that hide themselves behind a phone, a computer. They hide themselves in the conversation. Anybody know anybody like that? Don't point at them if they're in the room, okay? <laughs> They'll get deliverance tonight. We're believing that. But... Or maybe they get on the phone and they're always talking about what's going wrong, but yet they're spending all of their time ranting and raving about the state of the church. But yet they themselves have not knelt their knee one time to pray for the Spirit of God to be poured out, to pray for somebody to deliver somebody if they're going in the wrong direction. That's what I'm talking about. Stop lashing out in the first place. Don't, don't, don't take it to social media. That's the worst thing that's ever happened. Social media has given people a platform that is so stupid. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. They're ridiculously stupid. It's given everybody a platform to stand and say what they feel and what they believe. And have you ever filtered what you're saying on social media? Have you ever consulted with the Holy Spirit and said, should I say this? Should I or should I not? I'm encouraging you. I have stepped away from it for a stint and a season because there were some things I wanted to say so much, but I backed away. I said, No, God, that's not for me. I'm not supposed to do that. But we become critical, cynical, and a spirit of criticism. That's what happens. And let me tell you something those who do nothing offend few, those who do absolutely nothing, they don't offend many. There's a big difference between criticism received from a friend. And a total stranger or maybe an acquaintance. There's a difference. As a way of protecting your heart, you need to stay away from destructive conversations, comments. I'm leaning towards the social media world, but it's important to stay away from these things. You have to guard your heart above all else. Is it pure, lovely, and of good report? I'm missing a lot of that verse, but are you with me? Does it, is there anything pure to this? Or is it, well, I've got to say it. Who's got to say it? Because it sounds like to me there's a demonic spirit of criticism trying to work through you. Remember, you're demonized. Believers can be in bondage and they can be demonized. They're not not owned by a demon, but you can be under the influence of a demon. What did I say about drinking? I could drink a six-pack and I could be under the influence of but not owned by. I can be under that influence for a stint. But when it wears off, right, it doesn't have me. It's in me, but it doesn't have me. Betrayal (laughs) Let me I'm sorry let me back up Let me give you the insight for criticism For all the pod We've had a lot of people engaging in podcasts So I don't want to miss this Here's your insight to criticism If I can't manage my heart with nobility And grace During times of criticism I'll never be able to endure his praise He would like to send my way Now it's not praise for myself Because it's a humbled heart right But God wants to send people to, affirm, to, to, to to come behind you to serve because we all enjoy that. To, hey, that was a great job. That was this. That's, that's, that's honor, giving honor to one another. And we're supposed to give honor to who honor is due. So you have to be able to manage criticism, betrayal. Here's your insight to betrayal. If I don't handle betrayal well, I cannot be trusted with the depth of loyal friendships God has designed for me. Guess what? You will be just betrayed. Well, Jesus, you know, I I always heard, Pastor, that that I heard a preacher say that, you know, Jesus was rejected, betrayed. He was criticized so that I wouldn't have to. Who told you that? Somebody lied to you. (laughs) Because you're going to experience those things. You're going to experience the betrayal of those that you've always thought was with you the whole time. And then they up and walk. And I go back to Bishop Jakes. Those that left you, they couldn't stay with you because God was trying to take you somewhere. And those that couldn't leave, those that that stayed, they just could not leave because God knew y'all were destined together to run this thing out. As God begins to elevate you, it's not this hyper-spiritual thing, but as you grow in relationship and intimacy with the Lord, you'll find yourself trying to walk into a door, and then all of a sudden, fear of man's got both hands on the door, not letting you walk. Why am I doing this? And God will send a preacher on a Wednesday night to talk about deliverance and say, you've got some issues, and you've got to let this go because I can't bring you through the door. Because you've got criticism inside, you've got betrayal, and you don't know how to, you don't, you don't know how to successfully maneuver through these things and understand that In the midst of whenever they slap you on one cheek, oh, you got to turn and give them the other. Or if they ask you for your for your tunic, you give them your cloak also. If you want if you want to be the greatest among all, you got to become a servant to all. It's like the, if the kingdom of God is completely inverted to the world system, and that's why Paul says you can't be conformed to this pattern this the patterns of this system of this broken world. I was reading today in Romans because the earth is groaning and moaning for the, and travailing for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. Earth itself, that's why you're seeing the volcanoes erupting and you're seeing all of these earthquakes and you're seeing storms because creation is saying, We're ready to see God revealed. We're ready to see the new heaven and the new earth. We're ready to throw off this body of death and go back to where we were at the very beginning. But there is bondage in the believer's heart and it has to be broken. You're walking through a door, but you can't get through it, and you don't understand what's scotching you up. But it's a spirit, and you are in bondage. Yes, you are. Some facet of your, of your uh, mind blown, emotions, your soul, or your physical body is in bondage. Your spirit isn't. Your spirit's saved, but your soul is in bondage. And I'm here to wave, uh, the, the I don't know if it would be waving or flashing a light and saying, wake up. God wants to deliver you. You don't have to stay in this place. And to fast forward into where I want to take you tonight with these last two points. The first week I talked about the first the first point I said that what the fear of man does is that it ensnares you to man. You're connected to the fact of, of the the snares been placed of so the spirit of the, the spirit of fear of man, it, it snares us. And the second thing here that it does is it begins to divide your heart. It divides your heart and David prayed in the book of Psalms. He said, give me an undivided heart. Or in the New King James, it says, unite my heart to fear your name. Give me singleness of heart, God, to fear you. I don't want to fear man. David was a king that did not fear man. He did not. He, he succeeded where others, you want to know why? Because the presence of God is returning back to Jerusalem and he's celebrating. He celebrates to the point where he loses his tunic, and he's almost in his whitey-tidies, covered in blood, because he's been doing sacrifices alone, because he was a priest, a prophet, and a king, right? So he's performing, and all of a sudden, they're celebrating as they're coming in, because, and this is so neat. Everywhere that David danced, guess what followed? Presence. So maybe some, and I've said this before, but maybe some of us need to break free out of your two-by-two, two, whatever your previous religious background, and just really dance before the presence of God. Because there's a freedom in that. I'm no longer bound by what man thinks of me. And, 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 and from the window, McCall looks down and she sees David. And, and she says, well, did the king not make himself undignified today, dancing and almost losing your underwear the way you dance before all these people? And he said, you have not seen anything yet. The presence had returned. It was his ultimate love and to the point to where he would throw up a tent. God, let me tell you something. David had such a heart for God. He was not supposed to worship the way he worshiped. The fear of man didn't have a stronghold on his life Even in the midst of Saul going after him Some of us would have wilted and folded I probably would have had too Somebody, oh, you're right Let me just bow before you And I'd have been beheaded But David stayed on the run He said, no, no, no I've got, I've, I know that I've been anointed king But now is not the time He honored and he walked in grace and, and there was such a hunger in David That he brought something Listen to what I'm telling you tonight Listen to me He brought something that was meant for our day through the cross, on the other side of the cross, that's where we are. He was on that side of the cross. We're on this side. We're in in grace and redemption and reconciliation and where the blood cleanses us. David was on that side and he had such a hunger for God that he pulled something that was meant for another day into his own and he pitched a tent. Because you're not supposed to do worship like that, David. You can't just pitch a tent, put the ark down and start praising God. You can't do that. You have an outer court, inner court, most holy place. But there was such a hunger that he brought something into his day and Where are the people that'll push the envelope and say I know there's something meant for another day But I'm gonna pull it into mine tonight I'm gonna get hungry and thirsty. See apathy has got a hold of the church So many people are walking in apathy. They have no hunger for God God is boring to them and so there's apathy that has arrested them and it's directing their heart Well, i'm scared about what so-and-so will think. Do you know the jews? Was a nation that was so struck By the fear of man they were You've got to have an undivided heart. But f- the fear of man will divide it. It will divide your, well, but, but Pastor, wait a second. I've got a heart for God. I, I, I do. I, I've got a heart for God. Yeah, but you, you don't have God's heart. You've got a heart, but you don't have His. A heart for God does it when you want to, God's heart does it when He wants to. There's no restrictions. All of the red tape, the caution, don't go here, don't pass there, has been removed. And you're open and say, God, I don't care what it looks like. Yeah. The, calling of, the calling of God is conditional. Well, you got to meet this, God. I've got to have this, 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 and this before I'll do what you say. I'm just saying yes. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean this. God, what do you want? You want to send somebody down to correct me? You want to send pastor to? you want it? Whatever? I, come on, I'm open. I, I'm, I'm open. I need I need you and I need you to direct me where I'm supposed to go. Fear of man will confine you and constrict you. Your loyalties of your heart will be everywhere. There's someone enthroned upon the seat of your heart, but it's not God. It's another person. It's a relationship, it's a wife, It's a boss. And I'm not saying you don't honor, don't get me wrong, but who's enthroned? I said this last week, who's enthroned upon the seat of your heart? Jeremiah, I love this verse. And actually, uh, at a men's breakfast, Andrew Welch, he had read something around this, and I began to, to read this. I think it was the blessing. There's the blessing, and then there's the curses. But you understand that I know that when Christ died, he broke the curse of sin. But there are still curses You have to be the one to break over your own life. Am I right? Anybody? Yes, the curse of sin's been broken. And I'm saved and go to heaven. But many of us are saved going to heaven and we're under curses and we hate the fact of our life. There's just, there's no joy. There's no joy. Jeremiah says this in verse 5 of chapter 17. This is what the Lord says Cursed is the man. Listen to this. Cursed is the man who trusts in. You know what the trust in mankind is? The fear of man. That's what that is. What's the opposite of fear? Anybody remember? It's not faith. Trust. The opposite of fear is trust. Curses is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. There's many people that say, well, it's, I got up this morning. I was the one that I, I, I'm, I'm providing for my family. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Well, yeah, you got a problem, Because you forgot who you came from. You you forgot who gave life to your mortal body. You forgot that in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy it says this. It says that that He's the one that supplied strength to my body to provide for my family. Now that's a paraphrase, but that's that's what it refers to. God gave you strength. God woke you up this morning. God, you didn't wake yourself up. Your alarm clock didn't go off. You didn't, your alarm. You know how many people that did not wake up this morning? That expected to? I heard someone tell me one time that, that it's a powerful thought to think about. I may put my shoes on this morning, but somebody else might be taking them off in the evening. Every day is a gift. Every day. This says here, I mean, many people, again, many people think that, well, I'm the one that's providing. No, no, no. God gave you strength to provide for your family. It's God's. Everything I own belongs to God. And according to the tithe, he only ask for 10%. He only asks for 10, he doesn't ask for 100, he asks for 10. Everything I have my family, my children, my marriage, my calling, every bit of it belongs to him. He is the ultimate God, there is no other besides him. And it goes on to say, And makes his flesh his strength and whose heart turns away. It's a progressive, a downward spiral. There's a trusting in mankind that says, I'm going to be prideful make my strength my own. And then all of a sudden their heart is completely turned away from God. It just completely spirals down. Verse 6, For he will be like a bush in the desert. He will not see when prosperity comes. Check that out. How many people are missing the blessing of the Lord and the prosperity of God simply because their trust is in mankind? Right? I mean, this is scripturally based. Right here it is. And it goes on to say, but we'll live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt that is not inhabited. In other words, there is no blessing. There is no prosperity. You miss it when it comes because your, fear is in the, your, your heart is in the fear of man. You've got divided loyalties. All right, got to keep moving. Trusting in man produces a heart far from God. So the fear of man, you do this. You separate yourself from God. God doesn't do that. Because nothing can separate me from the love of God. All right, moving on. Three, last one, last and final. This is where I'm trying to get to. It snares others through you. So in other words, when you're operating in the fear of man, you're setting snares for others to come through and catch. Remember, a snare is hidden. It can't be seen. So it may be laced and, oh, well, look at Pastor AJ. I mean, he seems to have it all together. Not really. I'm just, I don't, by the way. I got a lot of stuff right, right here. And, and, and there could be an area of my life where I'm operating in the fear of man that you follow behind and you, ad- you adopt and adapt to what I'm doing. Because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So that's why I have to make sure that I'm being careful as I'm leading people. And then you walk right into the fear of man in an area of your life. Maybe it's in your finances. Because I'm talking about sometimes, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying, some, like, if I'm saying, man, I just don't know what we're going to do next week. I just don't know. All of a sudden, that produces a fear. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. You go home, and then you're complaining, and then you're worried, and then you're staying up at late night, you know, whatever it may be. So you can snare others through yourself. So you need deliverance from it. You're bound. You set a snare for others. You become an instrument of the enemy. You got it from someone else because they walked in the fear of man. Anybody feel convicted yet? (laughs) God, deliver us. AJ, come on. Or whoever's coming up. It's fine. Here are some of the traits of the fear of man. I just read you some while ago, but let me give you a little bit more. Suspicion. Manipulation. Emotional manipulation. You manipulate through what you say and make others feel Ahab. Ahab was a manipulator. He was a pouter. Know anybody that pouts? Don't look at them. They pout to get what they want. Do you understand that the Bible specifically talks about that, that, um, I don't know if I want to go there or not, Jesus. Your manipulation, whether you do it to your children, whether you do it to your spouse, whether you do it in your job, because you know that you can and you get away from it, you may think you've got away from it, but God sees it. So, manipulation is something that it's out of the fear of man. It's because you want control, remember? You're the control freak i got to manipulate them to get what I want. You don't say that out loud, but you know you're thinking that. Religious spirit comes in on play. Oh, man, I don't have time for this. i got to keep. Rebellion, stubbornness, deception. The bad thing about those that are deceived is that you don't know it. I've said that before, but you don't know it. Everybody else sees it but you. And you're unwilling to receive accountability. You're unwilling to receive words of people that could come to you and say, hey, I've noticed some things. I just want to talk. I'm good. I'm like, what are you talking about? I love God. Again, you may have a a heart for God, but you don't have God's heart. Just a few. I I was going to read all of these. I don't think I need to read these. I think this is kind of... um, I'll read two of them. John 9. The man that got delivered with a withered hand in the book of John, I believe it was, his parents were questioned by the religious leaders and they said, his parents referred, they said, did he really, did this really happen to him? Because we want to know because they're they're condemning Jesus, right? The Messiah has come. They were afraid of the Jews for the Jews had already reached the decision that if anyone confessed into to the Christ, they were going to be excommunicated. John 19 and 38, here's some examples. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for the fear of the Jews. Now, listen, if you're a secret disciple in this day, you are riding the fence. <laughs> you're lukewarm. I'm just going to call it as it is. There's no reason to hide being a believer in Jesus. Not in this day. Nobody's pointing a gun at your head. Nobody is telling you that they're going to kill you if you confess Christ. If you are a secret believer of God, you are, we need to talk, and, and God can deliver you. I'm telling you, it's lukewarm. I'm a a believer when it's beneficial, right? But here's just some examples of the fear of man. When we're operating in this bondage, here's typical reactions. You contain and control. I gotta contain it, I gotta control it. I gotta make sure this thing, ah. And of course, obviously, remember, you're the ant on the log floating down the river. You think you're driving and you're not. If this doesn't work, then guess what we do next? Reject and revile. Remember what we said at the beginning? Now let me say something. It's important. According to Romans, I believe it's Romans 15, and it's also in the book of Romans 15 says to mark those who sow seeds of dissension and discord. The fruit, you will know people by their fruit. People want to know, how do I know? How do I know? Because there's false brethren and sisters. They're not just false pastors, false prophets, false apostles. false apostles. There's also false brothers and sisters. And how will you know? Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. What is the fruit of their life? What spills from their Are they Do they have love one for another? Or is it loving only those that's convenient for them? The fear of man binds you in such a place, especially if you like to be in control, where if you can't contain and control, you reject and you revile. I can't even, do you believe that? But it's important in this day to understand, to mark those who sow fruit, seeds of discord. We need to know that. You remove yourself from these relationships. If there's somebody that you know that is struggling in a very, very bad place of the fear of man, they need deliverance from. It's important that you listen. I, this is I gotta I think through this. Um, you have to love from a distance. Because you can't walk into the snare. Remember, they can snare you through them. Fear of man's a snare. I'm not scared of, but I have to learn how to distance myself from those that are unwilling to change. It's not those that are trying to and they're coming to you for accountability, it's the unwillingness to address what's happening inside their heart. Because that's where it all starts. You have to guard it. The heart's been ensnared. I said this at the very beginning inner healing is a removal of fear. All inner healing, all it is, is a removal of fear. A fear of some way the enemy got in, began to whisper in your ear, and you believe a lie that that began to produce something. Maybe it's you didn't want to let somebody down. For fear of rejection, you had a fear of man. For fear of being criticized, you began to accept this relationship. For fear of betrayal, Come on, you with me? For fear of being betrayed, you walk back into a relationship that you knew you shouldn't have had. For the fear of man, I embraced it, and I didn't revere or fear God. Let me just tell you tonight. First off, I hope God's dealing with pride. I talked about that in a couple of weeks. You are among family. Do you understand, everybody in this room? You are among family. You're not not among those that's gonna say, Well, I can't believe they walked down there. I'm gonna tell you, as the shepherd of this flock, if I hear that, I will correct it. Because I don't think that's right in any facet. Because these altars, I've seen those that have been exhausted, tired, have failed and messed up, would come find a place and kneel. I've been that guy. I've been that guy. And as a matter of fact, every morning, I'll find myself at some point in my prayer time in this room and kneel at an altar and say, God, Forgive me of what I thought. Forgive me of what I said and did here. Forgive me of this. Forgive me for that. I'm going, to keep a, I'm going to keep a repentant heart. A heart that will not repent is a heart of bitterness and hardness. It's a stubborn heart. You don't repent just to go to heaven. You repent to see the kingdom manifest. The kingdom's everywhere, but it requires repentance. A turning and about face from the systems of the world. Because what I want to tell you tonight... You cannot solve a spiritual problem by natural means. Some of you are trying to put a band-aid on a spiritual problem, trying to solve it in the natural, and you can't. No longer. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.